Welcome to the Ralph Moore Podcast. Gain the leadership advantage as Ralph pulls wisdom from his bag of over 50 years experience in planting and leading multiplying churches. Our goal is to help you live as a leader you'd want to follow. You'll learn about making disciples and planting churches, but beyond that, you'll gain practical wisdom about subjects like how to manage your team, handling difficult people, pulling a congregation off a growth plateau, and even money management. Hey, welcome to the podcast. Today is a real exciting one for me. It's part two of a four-part interviewing my friend John Honnold, uh, who I discipled, uh, one of his disciples, Kenneth McCook-Kane, who is now the pastor of the largest Hawaiian church in the state of Hawaii. It's one of the three oldest congregations, over 200 years old. Ken uh, came to the ministry by way of being made a disciple, the thing that you and I are trying to do in our local churches. And he assumed the pastorate of this very old, very traditional, uh, the church that the, the ancient Hawaiian royalty all belonged to and functioned as members, a church that required a seminary degree, as well as somebody who could preach in Hawaiian, if you're going to become the pastor. Well, Ken's a Waikiki entertainer who learned how to pastor by pastoring many churches and pastoring people along the way, individually and in small groups, and they changed the rules for Ken. They actually modified their bylaws they're modifying their bylaws today to do different things than they've done in the past, and it's all paying off. This church is bearing great fruit, and it's grown hugely under Ken's leadership. He's going to say something really important to you and me who are trying to make disciples with ordinary people and see them do extraordinary things. And what he's going to say is that God doesn't necessarily call the qualified, although he does do that but he qualifies the called. And I think that's really important, especially if you're in a situation where you're struggling against tradition or you're struggling with denominational rules, things that are trying to hold back the people that you're working with. That's what happened to me in the early days. It's certainly what happens around the world today. I think this is going to be really an intriguing one for you. And I'm hoping that you'll stick around for all four of these podcasts because they're the heart and soul. They're the guts of what we're trying to do in Hope Chapel. So as we heard Ken tell about his spiritual background, John, we didn't get into this before with you, but I'd like for you to just you know tell us what it was like growing up. And I think you were in the Catholic Church. What, what was going yes. on? Um, always been in Catholic school from grade school in Kailua to St. Louis and um, had a, a, a religious relationship. My parents, my, my father was a, a, a Southern boy from Louisiana, married a local girl, um, Japanese um, woman from Kauai, Episcopal in her background. So um, dad had us go to Catholic church. My, my father was always about serving in the Lord. So when he was active in the Marines, it wasn't uncommon for him on a weekend that we'd all be at the Catholic school with a hundred Marines with paint brushes because he's always finding a way to do stuff so that was my background with my father um you you guys know my my story um my my mother just had a lot of issues you know so i i woke up phys- you know i grew up physically and emotionally abused so that whole side of me was um i had uh, uh, a lack of respect for women because of the way my mother raised me my father came back from vietnam after a second tour um suffering from pts and so um i was praying that when dad came back from vietnam he would stop mom from hitting us and um Instead, he was just tuned out a good man, incredible man, but he just no fight in him with my mom. So as soon as I got old enough and big enough, 
enough. You know, I fought back and I just was independent in high school. Um, at the same time, I'm on academic scholarship at St. Louis High School. Um, I'm I'm an average athlete, but I have a strong gift of leadership. So I'm, I'm class president every year. I'm student body president my senior year. And, and yet, um, never met anybody who taught me the value of the word no. You know, if you want it, you fight for it. You just see whatever it takes. And so um, went to college, um, um, two years of being at a Catholic college, um, flunked out. I, I was an athlete in college. I rode um, collegiate crew, but um, the, my redeeming element in college was that a Messianic Jew named Dave, who was on the two doors down in my dorm, shared the Lord with me for two years, led me to Christ. I get back to Hawaii, um, and I'm 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 a Christian without any grounding. So my walk with the Lord lasts about a month, um, and I then I jump into the club scene, playing music in Kailua. Um, I, I get back involved with Catholic Church, but with no boundaries. Um, um, through the grace, I don't know what I'm going to do, so I join the National Guard. Um, I um, and I, that means I'm going to go to school at a at a JC on a windward side. I meet a girl named Bonnie Thomas, who um, is she's nice. Um, she's, she's a beautiful young woman and, but there's something different about her because there's nothing about wanting to go out or hit or anything. She just says, she genuinely says, Hey, you ought to come to my church. So I, I end up, um, at a, at Bonnie, a, by the way, was one of the original people who moved to Hawaii from our church in California. Yeah. She's still going strong for Jesus or her family. Oh, her and Doug, five wonderful children. She's just an incredible woman of God, a dear friend. And so she brings me, um, she meets me at Kapuna Hala. No, Ulamal Village, Ken. Remember Ulamal Village? Yeah, yeah. Ulamal Not even Village. the big pavilion, the small little place. And I find out it. you guys had been on the beach for three weeks. It's the first week I'm there. And that's what I said in the podcast um, last in, in last thing. Uh, I'm sitting there and I'm being critical of the music. I mean, the guys bless their heart, but I'm a local boy thinking it should be done a certain way. And the music was good. It's just I'm sitting next to another local boy named Mark Souza. And we don't know each other, but we're both criticizing the music like, oh, it needs to have more local flavor it needs to have all this stuff and lo and behold one year later you know i'm i'm on on your staff you, you guys heard the story in the podcast and mark's one of the key worship guys very soon after that that's when ken joins us but that was my journey in the lord um, in getting to where we are you know i uh i told you no i, I can remember the first time that you you led worship uh, we were still at Kapuna Hall Elementary School, and it was, I yeah. think, a Sunday night. And uh, John gets up there, and it's his nightclub act. Yeah, I'm flashing shakas to the people while, and I'm doing this to the people yeah. while I'm playing worship. Yeah. And, he, and he was not winning any Hoku Awards as a Waikiki entertainer <laughs> like Ken was. But he he's playing cool and, and doing this whole nightclub-y kind of thing. And so I just went up and got in his face and go, look, uh, if you want to lead worship, uh, I, 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 I can't remember what I said. It was something like. I, I can tell you, you told me, you told me that if you want to play worship here, you, you sat me for a whole year. Yeah. yeah. And I, and I told you it was a great, a great demonstration of a, of a Waikiki um, nightclub, but it was not worship. Yeah. And if you want to learn worship, you sit there in the front row and watch these guys and, and you'll learn yeah. how to lead worship. And he, and he did. And I, I want to interject this. And you, if you don't want this in here, I'll, I'll edit it out. But uh, on John's first day when, when we hired him, his first day on the job, uh, I hear him yelling at his mother on the phone. And so I, I, I told him, look, man, if you, if you don't call her up and apologize to her right now, um, this will be your last day on the job. Uh, we'll pay you for today and you're done. And his response to me was, uh, he called his mom and humbly apologized to her. 
in front of me. And then he got off the phone and he told me about the abuse and about how the, all he was doing was what he had learned to do was respond to her in kind. He was talking to her the way that she talked to him. And I was impressed by the humility. And then I was touched by the pain. And the cool thing is, I, I, I watched both uh, of John's parents uh, come to the Lord in a real solid way and grow in the Lord in a real solid way. And and uh, the wonderful end of that story is that, that uh, uh, the way that they both ended their life in wonderful relationship with Jesus, but wonderful, wonderful relationship with John and Brenda. So you guys need to add to that, or, or should we just move on and, and talk a little well, bit? I know, Ralph, I, it's okay. Just keep it as a part of it. I think it's, again, this is the heart of what we're, you know, we're talking about here, that, that there's, there's a myriad of things that go on, you know, and Ken and I, you know, it's just like, um, you know, I wouldn't mind fast forwarding to how Ken and I reconnected, you know, with this Kawhi How thing, because that that was pretty huge. And I don't know if you remember, but um, Ken, when he was being considered as the the candidate for Kawhi How Church, he was actually um, as a, he's still do, a musician, but he's working in the main office because of his incredible leadership and his love for Christ. Um, they bring him into the the main office of the UCC, and he becomes the um, um, what is it called, Ken? The pop. Papamakua. Is that yeah, the right Papa, title? Yeah, the, the Associate Conference Minister for the denomination. Which is basically, he's the bishop, and he, they say, could you take care of the Hawaiian pastors out there? So he's taking care of them, and as only Ken can do, he's, you know, hey, you know what, if you're tired, you know, call me, and he flies out to neighbor islands. He's constantly helping people. He's he's speaking into how they do worship, how they do things, and again, what he does, elevating the quality of Christ's presentation in these churches. So the, the UCC comes to Ken and says, "We could you help us find a candidate because there's a vacancy coming up in Kauai Hau Church. So Ken's start to Kauai Hau is that he's helping them sort through candidates and do this whole thing. And then Ken, pick it up from there because at some point, um, two things happen. One is that they realize that the best candidate is Ken. Um, and and so he meets with you and I, Ralph, just to talk about navigating that process. Remember, we had that meeting. And then the third thing is, Ken, he doesn't qualify as a candidate because he hasn't gone to seminary. Uh, but they want Ken so bad that they modify things so that they basically he can he can use his undergraduate education and his experience and skills. And he can be um, he can they find a way to morph everything because they want Ken so bad. They feel like Ken is God's choice. I kind of said it, but Ken, that process. What was that like for you? Before you get into that, I, I want to point something out. Is that Ken did go? We we ran the church as a seminary. We we taught yes. the Bible over the pulpit, chapter by chapter. So we're not we're not heavy on this doctrine or that doctrine. We're heavy on the Scripture and its background and what the Holy Spirit is saying to us. Uh, he came up under you in, in many church. Uh, he ended up leading many churches. So he 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 had develop the kind of ministry skills that you get in seminary by just being in our church and particularly in the relationship that you two guys had, uh, which is really the same way that you came up. Um, yeah. you, you, I think you've gone out and gone ahead and gotten the, the degrees, but when you went out and, and started a big church, planted all these churches, uh, the seminary was our church and and this relational thing. And I, I, I just, I really want to focus I think it was crucial. I, I I felt honored to be at that meeting that we're going to talk about in just a minute. But the reason that I was there was re- relational, and it 
and it, I mean, I, I had a relationship with Ken for a while. He was in many church that I led, but the real relationship was I had a strong relationship with you. And then you had a strong relationship with Ken. And then my relationship with Ken developed out of that. And so uh, again, I'm, I'm just, I'm honored to be a part of this conversation uh, because of, of who you two guys are. And the fact that, that we have these years together and it's this kind of stuff, you know, people are always coming, what's the secret sauce to Hope Chapel? Well, it's in this conversation, a whole lot of it, you know, that we're, we're equipping the, the saints any old way, everybody plays. It's always biblical. It's, it's not so doctrinal as it is biblical. It's highly relational. Uh, it's committed. It, it's all of these things. And so here you got a person who uh, didn't go to seminary. He, you have to be able to preach in Hawaiian, if I'm correct. Um, he, he's got all these ministry skills, which he's demonstrated. And somebody who comes from, I mean, somebody, uh, extremely traditional background, the oldest movement in Hawaii, uh, are able to flex and bend and, and go, Ken, you're the guy in spite of the rules. And we're going to flex the rules because they're not God. Talk, talk to us about, you know, John kind of brought it up, but Ken, tell us about how that process worked in your life. Wow. <laughs> Like I said, I never thought I would be here. You know, Ralph, you're like you're like this dad to me. You know, um, I I never wanted a pastor. Um, I just wanted to love God and, and serve. But when people are propping me up to do stuff that I'm uncomfortable with, um, I I jump in the fire and then try to figure out how to um, quell that that burning. What what happened was I was I was in the uh, you know the main conference office and I was the guy that was doing the search and call. So I do search and calls for churches to help them find a, um, a settled pastor. And they probably had about 60 or 70 candidates for this particular time around at this church. So I was going through the CVs, you know, I mean, the profiles and stuff with them. And uh, and then halfway through the process, they called me up and asked me if I would put my name in. And I said, I can't put my name in. <laughs> That's a conflict of interest. I'm the guy helping you find a pastor. How can I put my name in? I mean, the, and, and then uh, one day, one of the search members said, um, well, we put your name in anyway. I went, how can you, without my permission? I went, oh, God told me to do it. <laughs> uh, and I said, I don't have a degree. And so, yes, I, I didn't have a seminary degree, but in the United Church of Christ, there's two formats. One is to go through a college uh, 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 to get a degree from one college, or um, they created another thing called multiple path, which means that you can go to several colleges to get the same course of study. So the course of study is about 75 to 90 credits. Um, so you can get it all from one college, or you can do a mix and match uh, from several different colleges. And so I, I did that other method. So it took me eight years to, to get my degree, um, as opposed to just going for a four-year one. Uh, so it was a long trail. But yes, when when they finally got down to the last two, they called me and said, well, you're one of the last two. I said, oh, man, I can't. That's some conflict of interest. Um, and I, I really tried to take my name out. And even during the interview, they, they asked me, so what is your experience at church? I had I said, zero. Oh, I've never passed at a church. I said, my first church job is this conference job, which I was never qualified for because all the people who who work in the conference office has the, a doctorate's degree in ministry. But nobody had the relational skills. I'm just going to interject quick and then go right back in. But, you know, again, what Ralph's talking about, can we, we, you and I do it. 
it now even, but you had the package, which means, you know, you loved on people dearly and you knew how to bring the best out of people. And I, I'm just so glad that, that that the main office saw that in you and they created that environment for you to do what you did. Right. Keep going. So you're, you're, they're sitting there, you're, you're, you're I know, cause you said in the interview, you're pushing back and you're, you're trying to unqualify yourself when they all want you. It's kind of funny. Right. Because, you know, to get into a conference office, you have to have a doctor, you have to have a demon in order to get into the conference office to work. I have nothing. And, and then I remember my mom said, you know what? God calls the qualified. He doesn't call. Oh, no. God doesn't call the qualified. That's it. God does not call the qualified. God qualifies the call. And so God, you are called by God and he will, he, if that was supposed to be, he will make that happen for you. And, and the conference minister who hired me told, didn't know what my mom said. And, and he, he, I said, I don't have a seminary degree. He goes, that's just education. He says, what you, what you provide is something that nobody else can teach. Yeah. I, he, he said, I've interviewed you for two hours. You know, every single person in every single church, you know, all of, all of their problems, you know, all of the aunties and uncles, you know, all, he says, in every case, you look like them, you smell like them, you talk like them, you act like them, you eat like them, you do everything like them. I can't teach that. I can teach you religion, but I cannot teach you relational part that you did. And so he took me in, this this scruffy guy that, that didn't know anything about church, and, and started molding me. And so that's what Kauaihau Church saw. They saw a scruffy guy that could be that could be shaped into a pastor because I had those things that I didn't know I had. You had developed a lot of that. While you were still with us, I mean, oh. we, we saw you pastoring people. That I mean, that's that's the qualifier. It was all, you know, Ralph. What you taught me, which I constantly try to tell my church, because you know, in Hawaiian churches, the kahu—that's what we're called—the um, pastor, the shepherd, is the man. And I said, no, there's only one man, and it ain't me. And I learned that from Ralph Moore. And what you have taught me is that even at the top, you always have to have accountability. Otherwise, that's not that's not the way God makes church. And so I put people in front of me that will keep me accountable. I put people in front of other leaders that keep them accountable. And that was a lesson I learned from Hope Chapel Kaneohe, was that you always have to keep accountability, otherwise you run amok. And that, and, and that I, I, I say thank you to both of you, because that's the that's the true step of leadership. John taught me in order to in in order to lead, you have to serve. John learned that from Ralph Moore. And so every time somebody tells me something, I'm going, how can I do it first? Because if I can't lead you through that, why would I want you to go first? That's not leadership. If you enjoyed today's podcast, be sure to subscribe and check his blog at ralphmoore.net.